people shot and killed at a supermarket. New details on the terrifying rampage. Shoppers hiding inside the freezer. Police responding within minutes. Vigils today for the victims. The hero security guard who fought back. Grandmothers, volunteers, killed, authorities believe, because of the color of their skin. This is an absolute racist hate crime. The alleged gunman in custody. Investigators now combing through his racist online posts. We talked to a witness who spoke to him the day before when he was likely scouting the store. Police revealing tonight the suspected shooter was taken into custody a year ago for making threats at his high school. Also breaking right now, another mass shooting. This one at a church in California. The details coming in. Overseas Russian missile attacks strike that steel plant in Mariupol as Finland makes it official. They're applying to join NATO. And Savannah Guthrie's exclusive interview with the passenger forced to land a plane after the pilot became incapacitated. The plane was in a nosedive. Correct. Yes. This is NBC Nightly News with Kate Snow reporting tonight from Buffalo, New York. Good evening. The words pure evil have been said a lot in the past 24 hours. The 10 victims of what's being investigated as a hate crime and a case of racially motivated violence were simply going to this grocery store on a Saturday afternoon when they were gunned down. They were parents, a deacon, a woman who ran a food bank. All but two of them were black. Authorities believe the heavily armed man who wore body armor and indiscriminately started shooting at shoppers had been planning this attack. He was here casing the area, they say, on Friday. Friday, 200 miles from his home. Yesterday afternoon, he live-streamed the attack on Twitch briefly before it was taken down. Law enforcement is reviewing a document posted by the alleged shooter Thursday night. We'll have more on all of that in a moment. All day, we've seen people coming here to gather together, trying to comprehend the unthinkable loss for this community as the nation mourns. Tonight, authorities say the alleged shooter planned it all. started around 2.30 Saturday afternoon in the parking lot of this Topps friendly market store in a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo. The alleged shooter wearing full body armor and tactical gear targeting people of color. Zanetta Everhart's 20-year-old son, Zaire Goodman, worked at Tops and was helping an older woman with her groceries in the parking lot. He was shot in the neck, but the bullet didn't cause major damage. I've protected him his whole life from the ills of the world. And here we have a man a terrorist who came into my community, into our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's hard. That's hard. The woman he was helping was killed right in front of him. Neighbors watched it all in horror. There's a whole lot of shooting. It was just rapid. Just one after it just kept going. And next, you know, we came outside and it was just packed full of people. We saw, you know, dead bodies. They were covered up. In all, 13 people were shot. Four were store employees. Ten died. Aaron Salter was a father of three and a Buffalo police officer for 30 years. Tonight, he's being hailed as a hero. For the last four years, he worked as a security guard at the tops. Salter tried to stop the gunman. Fired multiple shots, struck the suspect, but because he had heavily armed, uh, armored plating on, uh, that bullet had no round. The suspect engaged our retired officer 
and he was ultimately uh, shot and deceased at the scene. He worked over 20-something years as a Buffalo police officer and lost his life at Tops. Disgusting to me. Another who died, 86-year-old Ruth Whitfield, who had stopped at the store after caring for her husband at his nursing home. After all the carnage, the alleged shooter threatened to take his own life, but then dropped his gun and surrendered to police. Saturday, he was charged with first-degree murder and pleaded not guilty. The lone gunman, armed with weapons of war and hate-filled soul, shot and killed 10 innocent people in cold blood. Today, raw emotion pouring onto the streets. People just wake up and come kill us whenever they feel like it, and that's not okay. We cannot allow this to destroy us. We cannot allow this. We can't allow, we cannot allow those people that are upset and mad about what happened to try to take their own vengeance either. A community united in grief. It is very hard to be here today. We are learning more about the suspect. Authorities have questioned him in the past, we've learned, and now investigating his racist online posts. Here's Emily Aketa. Tonight, new details on the man behind Saturday's stunning attack. Authorities confirming this wasn't the suspect's first run-in with trouble. Last June, state police say he made a threatening statement at his high school, Susquehanna Valley. School officials alerted police, which resulted in a mental health evaluation. Authorities say he was released shortly later. Now, less than a year later, 18-year-old Peyton Gendron is accused of killing 10 and injuring another three, streaming his first steps on a gaming platform. Twitch said the feed was removed within two minutes of the violence. What alarms you the most leading up to this incident? This person intended to have a broad platform, live streaming it, sharing his information, his ideas, his hatred online. There are others who know this now. And that's what scares me, is how far this virus is now spreading and how quickly. The suspect drove several hours from his home in Conklin, New York, to reach Buffalo. A day before the attack, police say the suspect was canvassing several spots. He was targeting a predominantly black area, according to a manifesto authorities believe the suspect authored. The 180-page document was posted online just two days before the massacre. The author referred to himself as a white supremacist and repeatedly referenced the mass shooter who killed 51 people at a New Zealand mosque. We have evidence that he was here, that he was doing some reconnaissance on this place, uh, that he was at the location and some other locations. The evidence we have right now, we do not believe was a spur of the moment. Tonight, Buffalo's police commissioner warned of a lengthy investigation, but was firm on the nature of the crime. This absolutely is a hate crime. There's, there's no doubt about it. And Emily's with me now. What more do we know about the weapons? So the suspect's parents say he just recently purchased the guns. Investigators recovering three on scene here, some with messages of hate and racial slurs. The police commissioner tells me that it does appear that he purchased them legally, but he also had in his possession high-capacity magazines, which are not allowed here in New York. Kate? All right, Emily Akata, thank you. Earlier today, I spoke with Grady Lewis, who talked to the alleged gunman here outside the store on Friday before Saturday's shooting. And then yesterday, he was here again during the attack. I asked him what he saw when the shooting started. I heard the first shot, and 1.7 seconds after that, I looked up, 0.6 seconds, another shot. And he was just shooting people. Was he just randomly targeting people, you think? Just shooting uh, anybody? Yes, he was randomly shooting people outside. And then I seen the security guard run in. When I saw the security guard run in, I was like, well, 
this ain't no movie, this is for real. And then he went in shooting, shooting more people. And I still see it in my head that this guy was actually just shooting at people standing there. It's crazy, it's crazy. It's crazy, a guy was just shooting at people. He, he targeted black people. Yes. He killed almost everybody. Tell me where you were when you saw him. I saw him walking through the exit door. And here at the tops. Here at tops on Friday, and I said he looks he look out of place. He looks out of place. And I walked up to him and I said, "Where are you from?" He said, two or three hours from now." Then we started talking about race, and I was like, "Well, there's only one race." He's like, "Well, he didn't say he disagreed, but he said he feels that there's different races." What did you think of him in that moment? If you ask me right now, that kid that I met on Friday. Wasn't racist. Not the kid I met on Friday. But super smart. Super smart. He had a plan, obviously. You must have a mix of emotions, right? About I mean, uh, you could have been there very easily. Five minutes earlier, you would have two, been there. Well, one minute and twenty seconds. I just walked across the street. I just opened up my thing. Bang! 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 He also told me we need to make some changes in this country. We just learned that President Biden and the First Lady will come here to Buffalo on Tuesday. And even as we cover this mass shooting, we sadly have to report on another one today. This one at a church in Southern California. The details are just coming in. Let me go to Maggie Vespa. She's in Los Angeles with the latest there. Maggie? Kate, we're hearing about six people shot in this shooting. One killed, four critically wounded. Authorities got the call this afternoon about shots fired inside the Geneva Presbyterian Church in Laguna Woods. That's in Orange County, California. The sheriff's office tweeting they've detained one person and recovered a weapon. No details yet on who that person is or any kind of motive in this shooting. Kate. All right, Maggie, thank you. Back here in Buffalo, the police commissioner today called the deadly attack a racist hate crime. Aaron Gilchrist reports now on what could be fueling the astronomical rise in hate crimes across this country. Tonight, New York City on heightened alert after Saturday's deadly shooting in Buffalo. Police officers stepping up patrols around black churches for Sunday service. It comes just days after three Korean women were injured in a Dallas shooting. Police say it may be part of a string of shootings targeting Asian businesses, and they're investigating it as a hate crime. We are turning into to every resident of the city of Dallas to keep an eye out and safeguard our city. Hate has no place here. The U.S. seeing a dramatic spike in hate crimes, rising in eight of the nation's ten largest cities, an overall increase of nearly 55 percent, and the alarming trend continues. Racially motivated violence is actually the greatest threat in our country today. Saturday's tragic shooting, just the latest in a string of violence. In 2019, a gunman killed 23 people at a Walmart in El Paso. Prosecutors saying he targeted Mexicans hoping to drive them out of the U.S., in 2018, 11 people died when a shooter opened fire during service at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. Experts say these hate crimes are being fueled by extreme rhetoric often spread online. We have never seen hate more mainstreamed than we see it today. We have to do more to fight against these ideologies. My first thought was, um, here we go again. Nearly seven years ago, Walter Jackson Jr. lost his grandmother, Susie, and several relatives after a gunman opened fire at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in South Carolina. When you lose a loved one in a fashion such as, as that, 
um, by a white supremacist, by someone who is is geared with 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 hate just because of the color of their skin. It's going to be something that you're going to be dealing with for a very long time. Jackson says these moments of tragedy are a call to action for leaders to speak out against hate and the ideologies fueling these attacks. His message for Buffalo's grieving community? Continue to love. This was a, 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 a situation done out of hate, and it's easy for us to turn around and, and want to retaliate, do the same thing, but continue to keep your peace, continue to make your loved ones proud. And Aaron's with me now. Aaron, there are calls for Congress to take action. Kate, that's right. Right now, there is a domestic terrorism prevention bill moving through the House. Civil rights and human rights groups are calling on Congress to pass it, saying it will create more resources to prevent hate attacks. All right, Aaron Gilchrist for us. Still ahead tonight, we'll have the latest on the war in Ukraine and also a hero speaking out. Savannah Guthrie's exclusive interview with a passenger who landed a plane last week after the pilot got ill.
23 from the beginner to chess master playlist which is a progressive series of videos and I'd like to discuss good bishops and bad bishops this is in my opinion one of the most if not the most important concepts in the game uh, if you're excited about learning uh, Tactics, one, two, three move combinations, white to move and win, black to move and win type stuff. You're in the wrong place. The focus here is on strategy. One of the greatest strategic minds the game has ever seen, Mikhail Bodvinik, he once said, chess mastery essentially consists of analyzing chess positions accurately. What I'm looking to do here, through several examples, is give you the tools to analyze chess positions accurately, to give you the tools to be a better decision maker when you sit down at the board, whether it be in the opening, middle game, or end game, this concept, this idea here, has an influence on all phases of the game. That's how important I feel this uh, topic is. Uh, for example, in the opening, where should you deploy your pieces? Uh, more specifically, where should you deploy your bishops? Your pawns. What color squares, in general, should they be positioned on? The middle game. What minor piece exchanges are you welcome to? Which ones are you not welcome to? The end game. Are you playing with the superior minor piece? Are you playing, just in general, are you playing in a good environment? Okay. Are you the side who is struggling? You can't get your pieces to function properly? What's influencing this? Okay. Those questions, and hopefully many more, will be cleared up by this video's end. You'll have a better sense of how to answer those questions. Now, the first example of many is the one you see here, and I would not at all be surprised if many of you already formed your own opinion of this first example. Those of you who are thinking, this is ridiculous, I would have to agree with that. This is a ridiculous first example, an unrealistic example, uh, but nevertheless a good example, I would like to first define what I mean by good bishops and bad bishops. This guy here on C1, we call him a bad bishop. Why? Well, the pawns said so. Okay, We look to the pawns to determine which bishops are good or bad. 
Okay? White has pawns that are fixed on dark squares. That makes a dark square bishop, that makes white's dark square bishop, the only bishop white has, that makes this bishop bad. Okay, why? Well, his value is diminished, his mobility is diminished because the pawns get in his way. <laughs> now, in this specific example, his mobility is extremely uh, restricted. Uh, he will never see a single dark square on the enemy side of the board. Okay, that is, this is an extremely bad bishop, or what uh, I might uh, identify as uh, a tall pawn. Okay, he's really bad. Okay, Black's bishop, on the other hand, we consider this the good bishop. Okay, why? Well, notice black has pawns fixed on light squares, and they do not restrict black's bishop. Okay, they do not get in the way or limit this bishop in any way. Uh, now, those of you who have been connected with me for some time, you know, whether you're listening to me as I play a game, blitz game, bullet game, slower game like standard, you have a good sense of how I think and the terminology that I use. Uh, black here has good coordination, we might say. Uh, good coordination between structure and bishop. Okay, Another term that I like to use is harmony. Okay, black has a good blend, uh, a good mix, good control, let's say, of both color complexes. Notice the pawns control the light squares, and the bishop uh, is just a move away from being able to control any of these dark squares. Okay. There is a good blend, good coordination. Black has good harmony between structure and bishop. White does not. White has good control over the dark squares. We can say black, uh, excuse me, white has good dark square control, but is weak on controlling the light squares. Right, this bishop will never control any light squares, of course. Okay? In this position, it is white to move. The bishop plays here to defend the pawn. And I'm just going to play out a couple more moves. After bishop to e7, we can see now that uh, white is not even going to be able to defend h4. Black will win this pawn and go on to win the game. Uh... This is one of the benefits of having good harmony between your structure and your pawns. Okay, you can target the enemy pawns like this. A couple of are under fire, and white will not be able to attend to both. Okay, let's have a look at a, an example that's a little bit more realistic. Here we go. All right, so a couple instances here. Of fixed pawns and just quickly identifying the good bishop or bad bishop in this position uh, two pawns here fixed on dark squares 
that's the bad bishop. And this guy here, it's white who has good harmony in this position. Pawns fixed on light, and the bishop ties in very well. Uh, dark square bishop. This is the good guy on c1. In this position, it's white to move. Just playing out a couple more moves here. Uh, or a couple moves. Bishop to e3. Now observes both pawns. Black can now defend both pawns. And after king to e4, we have an interesting position. Uh, black is in uh, a difficult spot right now. A term that is used to describe uh, black's current position right here is zugzwang, uh, which is uh, basically a, a position where you don't want it to be your move, okay? Because any move that black makes here will give something up, whether it be a square or material. In this case, it's going to be uh, black will give up a square, and ultimately that will lead to the loss of material. One example of this is, well, first off, if the bishop makes any move, like here, white can pick up the c-pawn, and if black goes here, you can pick up the g-pawn. Any bishop move, and one of these two pawns will drop any king move, and white will be able to enter with the king. King here, black king goes to d5, and then picks up the c-pawn. Or if he goes here, white goes here and picks up this one. Black is in Zugzwang. Black is in a position where he kind of wants to pass and say, you know what, you make a move white, but unfortunately it's black to move. You can't just pass like this. Now, this is not the reason why... You know, okay, black has a bad bishop in this position. This is not the reason why playing with a bad bishop isn't a, a good idea, because you're going to end up in Zugzwang. Of course, this could happen, but really the big thing here, the big term to really reflect on, is that when you play with a bad bishop, you are restricted in some way. You are the side who will, uh, you know, it, it will be your opponent who is... Uh, throwing the punches. We're seeing this in action right here. It's white who has pressure on the black pawns, and black is just barely trying to hang on and defend. White is the side for choice here. White is really the only side who could try to win. White has good harmony, once more, between structure and bishop. Let's have a look at another example. Here we go. Team white. So, maybe a bit more of a realistic position here. White to move. If you'd like to, pause the video. What move would you play in this position? I'm just going to get on with it. There are a lot of examples to get through here. White to move, what would you do? Okay. White to move, well, actually, if it was black to move... Each side would really want to make the same move in this position. Whoever is on move, they would like to make the same move. What is that move exactly? A6. This is a winning move. What is white doing? Well, he is fixing a pawn on a dark square, and he will next look to 
target it. How the game may play out. Black maybe improves the king. The bishop now eyes up this pawn. A check is thrown in. The A pawn falls. This is now a passed pawn. The king has to attend to it. And meanwhile, the white king can scoop up the other pawns and go on to actually win this one. Now being up two pawns, white will go on to win. The big thing to take away from this one is in these uh, end games, ideally, what would you like to have happen? We're working with dark square bishops. It would be a good idea if you could somehow manage to fix your opponent's pawns on dark squares so that you can then target them. White first plays a6 and then goes after this guy here. Okay, If you play bishop to d4, this throws the game away. Okay, White will no longer be able to win. It will result in a draw. Black now gets to play a6, and it may be the bishop who one day comes around somehow and puts pressure on the a5 pawn, and it's White who's having to defend. Okay? Let's go on to another example. Here we go. So this is similar to an example I just showed a couple a couple examples ago here. Notice black has the bad bishop, white has the good bishop. And I just want to show you that the bishop and pawns alone can draw this position. It's almost like you don't even need the king in this position. I want to highlight this idea of harmony and how the bishop and pawns uh, work well together. And in this particular case, you don't even need the king's assistance. For example, what do we do here? Well, the pawns are controlling the light, and the bishop is there to control the dark square. Notice this one's covered, this one's covered. The king could never go to these squares because the pawns are there. And if he ever tries to, let's say, sneak over here, the bishop can always pivot on c3 and guard that square. The whole fifth rank can be, in summary, under control by just the pawns and the bishop. The king, his assistance is not even needed. Bishop to b2, black may try to exchange bishops, and then, you know, after a bishop exchange... Black will be able to sneak in and win, but white simply avoids that exchange. He ducks, and just playing it out a little bit more. Suppose black tries something else, like king to e5. Notice the bishop can return here, give a check, and if the king tries to approach one of these pawns, the bishop will be lost. Okay. There is simply no good way forward here. The bishop and pawns alone will be good enough to restrict the black king from making progress. There is good harmony once more between white's structure and bishop. Let's have a look at another example, and this one comes from a game I played not too long ago. Pull this one up. This was a... Uh, a one-minute game, so you'll just have to mind some of the uh, mistakes that are made along the way, but right out of the opening here, I'm playing as white. As soon as this move is played right here, 
I'm saying to myself is, this is my bad bishop. We only have one case here of fixed pawns. The e4 pawn and e5 pawn are fixed. We can now identify uh, the good bishops and the bad bishops. Okay, now there, there are going to be positions where, and we're going to see this, there's going to be positions where, you know, there's uh, fixed pawns on both colors. And uh, it's going to be a little bit trickier to define which bishops are good or bad. In some cases, we might have to just say, you know, it's undefined. Okay, we're not going to be able to uh, see certain position types with uh, a great clarity. In this position here, we can go ahead and identify which bishops are good and bad. Okay, this is from White's perspective here. If we're looking at the white bishops first. Okay, working with many more pieces all of a sudden, I realize, but this guy on e2, that's the bad bishop. The one on c1, that's the good bishop. He ties in well, looking at the fixed pawns, he ties in well. There's good harmony between the dark square bishop and the pawn on e4. For on uh, black side, this is the bad bishop, and... This guy here on c8, that's the good bishop. Okay, he ties in well with the fixed pawn on e5. Let's continue. Just making some moves. I want to get to this uh, one position right here. After bishop to e6, one thing I'm already looking to do is exchange light square bishops. Or in other words, exchange my bad bishop for my opponent's good bishop. That exchange happens. And what I'm trying to do here, and I know it's just a bullet game, but I'm still trying to apply these uh, concepts here. This is not the best move, by the way. I could win some material. That's not the main focus, however, in this one. I've just exchanged my bad bishop for my opponent's good bishop, and I'm trying to play against my opponent's dark square bishop. And eventually we get to a position just playing it out a bit more. Eventually both rooks are exchanged. And they, okay, they dropped a pawn. They helped me out a little bit there, of course. But notice the decision made right around here. Pawn fixed right here. I don't want to see this happen because my pawn will be fixed on a dark square. And maybe he'll sneak around one day and target it. So I make sure to play h3. Have my pawns on light squares. I don't, I'm not playing with the bishop in this position, but I'm trying to play against my opponent's bad bishop. My opponent then played g5, and it starts to look maybe a little bit like that ridiculous position I started this video out with, where nearly all pawns were fixed on, you know, this one rank, and the bishop was never able to see any of the squares on the other side of the board. We're really close to that type of position, and this was just played not too long ago. Hmm. Now... How bad is this position for black? Well, not only is black down a pawn, but I'd just like to emphasize how the knight and the pawn structure alone can prevent the black king from entering my side of the board. I just want to play out uh, a hypothetical variation. Suppose these moves were played, just throwing the king in the corner. These are not good moves by white. They're not losing moves, but I just want to emphasize that the knight and 
just the pawn structure alone prevents black from making any good progress. The king cannot enter on a5. The pawns are controlling the light squares. And, of course, the king is not able to ever make use of the squares that the black pawns are on. There is good harmony in this particular case between the knight and pawn structure. White is playing in this position with, we, we call this a good knight versus a bad bishop type position. Now, this is not how the game progressed. Uh, from here, what I did was get my king over towards the A file to control that square. This is really the only part of the board I need to control. If I really wanted to draw, I would just go back and forth with my king right here. I'm looking for more. And, well, the rest of the game really isn't of uh, interest to us. Uh, kind of played out like this. These pawns end up dropping. And, yeah, you go on to win. The big thing here is what decision did I make very early on? I was seeing a way to try and exchange at this moment right here, exchange my bad bishop for my opponent's good bishop. This is, in general, a very good strategy. This is a welcome peace exchange for white. Hmm. Moving on, let's put another one up here. All right. Here we go. Now, in this position, it's white to move. You'll notice that black is up a couple pawns, but black has bad harmony here. Uh, black has the dark square bishop and two pawns. They're, you know, black is up two pawns here, but has uh, does not have good harmony between the bishop and structure. So, what does this mean? White now has an opportunity to blockade, to stop the pawns in, the, uh, in their tracks, not allow them to go forward. Knight, or excuse me, king to e2, followed up with knight to f3. There's no way for black to make progress here. Because the pawns are on dark squares, even though black is up two pawns, this is a drawn position. White is able to establish what we say uh, is a, a light square blockade and there's no way to capture the knight the knight will always have squares to go to you could try to uh, take away all of the squares but there's always just too many for the knight however you look at it there's no way for the bishop and king to control all of these squares and this will be a drawn position because uh, black does not have good harmony between their bishop and pawn structure. This can turn out to be one of the downsides to having, uh, you know, to, to not having good harmony between your structure and bishop. You can be up material. You could be up two pawns. Maybe in some cases even more. And uh, yeah, we're seeing that there's a way for white to in fact draw this position. If we look at this position uh, slightly you know, just slightly change this one up and work with this one here where the pawns are a little bit further back. Notice in that last example, they were really close to queening, right? Well, notice that the black pawns are further back, but notice another thing, and the most important thing here is that there's good harmony between the bishop and structure. 
Bishop is on light, pawns are on dark. Black will be able to go on to win. Trying to set up some type of blockade like this will not work. The bishop is always in a position to challenge either piece. Let's see how black will quickly be able to make some progress here. Uh, for example, king to f5, king f7, king f4. Black is advancing, keeping pawns on dark squares along the way. King e3, the bishop can help out. And we have a nice blend of control over the fourth rank squares. King to e2, he could actually step up here. And the very next move, for example, will be f4, keeping the pawns on dark. You never really want to end up, in summary, with both your pawns on light squares. You could, at some point, have a pawn on a light and the other on dark. But the very next step you're really going to want to make here is black is something like f4, where you're back to having a nice blend, nice control over both colors of the board. Black will continue in this manner, making progress and eventually promoting one of the pawns. Okay, Good harmony is the big thing here. Pawns on dark, bishop on light, that's good news for Team Black. Black will be able to win this position. Let's have a look at another. All right, let's see now, right out of the opening, how black can lose. Okay, now, uh, some of you may be thinking, why would I ever give up my bishop for a knight? Of course, this is just not a good idea, but this is not a losing move. It's not a good decision, but it's not a losing move yet. Let's see a. Uh, let's see what black does to lose. Just a couple moves away here, black just gave up the dark square bishop. Knight f3, black castles. After b3, you're gonna have to forgive me. Those of you who are a bit more experienced, this next move that you're about to see is going to make you cringe. E6, that move right there to a player who has a good positional sense makes you cringe, for me at least. Okay, e6, that last move, move six here, it's already a losing move. Wow. <laughs> Black does not have a dark square bishop and is placing pawns on light squares? Hang on. When you have, when your remaining bishop in this case is a light square bishop, in general... You should be placing your pawns on the opposite color. Black squares in this case. You need to coordinate your remaining bishop with your pawn structure. This is already game over for black. After bishop to b2, the dark square weaknesses along this diagonal are too great for black. There's no saving black in this position. The knight is struck at now twice queen and bishop and if he moves mate in one way or even a second way and the other option of let's say going to g7 well hang on here comes the g pawn trying to take advantage of the pin black had only stopped this for so long with these type of moves 
And in the end, after Queen E5, there's going to be uh, no saving uh, the game. Uh, White will win the G-pawn and eventually crash through. The big issue here is not that Black gave up the dark square bishop. It's true that that was not a good idea to give up the bishop for knight here. In general, the bishops are worth a little bit more than the knights, but this isn't a losing move, okay? It turned losing when black decided to place pawns on the same color square as his remaining bishop. What should black be doing instead? Let's still run with this idea where black gives up the bishop for knight, but let's make a very important adjustment, okay? So what is that adjustment exactly? Let's see. Bishop for knight exchange still. After castles and b3, black plays d6. This is at least a step in the right direction. Uh, this is a step in the direction of, let's say, harmonizing uh, the structure and bishop. Pawn on a dark square, following up after bishop to b2, we have another pawn being fixed on a dark square. This ties in well with the bishop, some more dark square control. You're certainly not going to get dark square bishop controlled by your bishop. You're working with the light square bishop in this case. After d3, we have e5. This is a good way forward for black. Again, the initial decision to give up bishop for knight was not good, but at least black is now following up well, positioning pawns on the dark squares. If play were to continue, a good uh, plan for white can be to try and now break down the pawns that are on dark squares. Right? Try to uh, mobilize, let's say, this dark square bishop, what I've uh, referred to before, um, you know, when I'm playing a blitz game or, you know, when I'm providing commentary while playing, that's the X-factor bishop. That's uh, the unopposed bishop. This is the piece that has an, you know, he, he cannot be challenged. There's no counterpart. There's no dark square bishop that can challenge him. He's very powerful. Black needs to make sure he does not, uh, his vision is not extended, let's say. Okay, so in this position, after e5, rook to e8 is a, is a fine move, but if black starts to, you know, give up their strong center points, well, guess where we're, where we're at? We're back to square one, where... This diagonal is now incredibly weakened. There's not e5 anymore, so now white is seeing not only f6, but maybe g7 and h8. The dark squares are collapsing in this position. That's my main point. You give up your dark square bishop, you better have control over your dark squares with the pawns. They're now responsible for controlling the dark squares. Let's continue with... Next example, here we go. This is known as the Nimzo Indian defense. Now, we can't yet identify which bishops are good or bad. We might, I mean, because there aren't any fixed pawns in this position just yet. 
But uh, this is, I would say, the better of the two bishops currently. You know, we have a, generally we look towards the center of the board and those, uh, you know, the pawns that are in this area of the board, let's say, to, uh, th those are, let's say, the key pawns to focus in on uh, not only just, the, not just the fixed pawns, but really the, the pawns that are more focused towards the center. Those are the, the more important pawns. Right now we have a pawn that's on e6. That's a, a pawn that's on a light square. He's probably the, the more important bishop, let's say. And he is now giving himself up for the knight. So what should black be doing next? Ideally, what color squares should black's pawns be on? Dark. Need to now coordinate. Um, you know, harmonize the bishop and structure. D6, that's a step in that direction. This is a good way forward. B6 is another. Another pawn on a dark square preparing to develop the bishop. And another pawn advance upon position on C5. This is a good way to follow up if you're giving up your dark square bishop. Black may at some point with enough preparation, even play e5 and establish yet another pawn in the center, in this case, on a dark square. Okay, there's good harmony, at least, between uh, black's remaining bishop and pawn structure. Let's have a look at another one. Here we go. And these uh, next handful of examples are very basic. I just want to give you a feel for how one can go about deploying uh, a bad bishop outside of your pawn chain. See what I mean by this? This uh, has a name here. This is known as the London system. Laying on the white end here. A London system starting out with d4. In fact, after these first moves, right, d4, d5, we already have an instance of fixed pawns. We can already identify good and bad bishops. Bad bishop, good bishop. On black end, on the black end, bad bishop, good bishop. We look to, once more, the fixed pawns in order to identify these uh, bishops as either good or bad. What white is doing next Bishop f4 is establishing the bishop outside of the pawn chain. It's in a position where it at least observes uh, black's side of the board. I've sometime, I've, I have sometimes uh, referred to this bishop as the expendable bishop. You know, if he is captured uh, by, let's say, a knight or the dark square bishop, well, if he's captured by the dark square bishop, that would be a a bad bishop for a good bishop exchange. Uh, but even if he is captured by a knight, it's kind of like, okay, you know, you got my you got my bad bishop, but I still have... Uh, what, what would that leave me with? That would still leave me with a, a good bishop, a good harmony between my structure and my remaining bishop. So that's as far as I want to take it with this one. This is a uh, known as a, a London system, d4... Bishop to f4, you're outside of your pawn chain. You have activated your bad bishop. 
in other words. Let's have a look at another. This one here. This is black now. Is deploying the bad bishop. Right, we can identify bad bishops and good bishops in this position by the d4 and d5 pawns. Black is now deploying their bad bishop outside of the pawn chain. Black has activated the bad bishop. This is uh, known as the Karo Khan defense, if you're wondering. Let's have a look at another example. Here we go. Black in this position is playing the Slav defense. D4 is met with D5 after C4, C6. Knight F3, Knight F6, Bishop to F5. Sometimes you have to be a little bit careful deploying. Uh, you know, it could be a little bit difficult to, let's say, activate your bad bishop playing on the black end. For example, B7 is a little bit weak and can be targeted, but the main focus here, I just want to show you how you can be activating your bad bishop and getting it to uh, play a productive role, you know, putting it in a position so that it's not stuck behind your pawn chain. Knight c3, e6, and taking out a little bit further, we're noticing now that white is looking to hunt down the bad bishop in this case. There's a knight for bishop exchange. White is now working with the bishop pair. And how is the structure in remaining bishop for black? It's okay. Black has still good harmony with structure and remaining bishop. Bishop on dark, pawns ideally in the central area are on light squares. There's good harmony here. Good control over both color squares. We can see the bishop pivoting here. Have good control over the light squares, the dark squares, and yeah, good harmony in this position, even though there was that knight for bishop exchange. Black still has that good bishop. It's the more important of the bishops. Let's have a look at another one. Here we go. Okay. E4, D5. This is known as the Scandinavian defense. Queen is coming out early. Now, in this particular case, we do not have any fixed pawns in the center, but you'll notice Bishop F5 is played prior to e6, we would consider this guy as, okay, not in the truest sense, bad bishop, but, you know, these are pawns that could certainly have gotten in his way, but black did well to do what? Activate this uh, light square bishop first before, you know, he, he's caught behind his own pawns. For example, if you're playing e6 here, what kind of a uh, productive role is your light square bishop going to play? You're just going to be staring at your own pawns. Now, sometimes this happens in a game uh, where your bishop doesn't uh, get outside of your pawn chain and only later on do you try to get him activated. Um, but, you know, first things first. We want to, in general, know how exactly to activate these pieces. We want to know, of course, which ones are good, which ones are bad. Black is first getting the... 